The Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report is back in the 2023 class rankings are set, but which teams did the best signing amongst positional groups? Wade and I break it down. And we are back in the, uh, now in the kind of the wake of another cycle, the 2023 recruiting class kind of now in the books. There's still some opportunity for some players to sign here uh, over the coming weeks, but for all purposes, um, that class is now done and on to 2024, but always a good time to kind of look back to and I think Wade drilled down a little bit into uh, some of the accolades of these classes. Obviously, it's hard to believe that as we're uh, – Taping this today on the 8th, uh, we're a week out from the first Wednesday of February, the signing day, uh, and that seems like ages ago already. Totally agree. It's <laughs> so small in the rearview mirror. I can't believe it was just a week ago. And it was obviously a much different feel than what it's been in the past, um, going back you know, seven, eight years when it was uh, 12 to 14 hours of TV coverage, and you were here until the early... Uh, <laughs> early hours of the uh, morning kind of signing kids in the database so it but much much different An hour of coverage of ESPN2 uh, really proud though of kind of uh, the coverage that we had in that small window um, even though there wasn't a lot of big news Nicholas Harbor uh, surprised a lot of people with the big uh, dish by South Carolina sure uh, that was big um, then uh, Roderick Pleasant who I think may play a role here in our in our upcoming exercise, uh, <laughs> committing to Oregon. Uh, so it's basically in one hour of TV, we squeeze out a lot of speed uh, with two commitments. Um, and then obviously Deuce Robinson not committing was news, but yeah. he joined us as well and kind of gave us a little bit of a breakdown on on the path ahead for him as obviously a two-sport athlete baseball playing a role. Uh, so he's certainly a headline, even though 2023 is kind of, like I said, in the books, more or less, you know, there's still some storylines to follow, and Deuce Robinson is certainly uh, one of those. And then as we get ready here towards the end, to kind of uh, we'll touch on towards the end of today's show, uh, 2024. Uh, but Ellis Robinson, the fourth, also made his commitment as well to Georgia. Um, so, you know, even though it was a week ago, even though it was much different, there was still plenty of news there on that day, just not quite in the volume that we were used to. Uh, but that is now in the books. And one of the things was, too, going into that day, Alabama, you know, had sewn up the number one class, sure. eighth number yeah. one overall class under Nick Saban. Georgia was not number two. It really wasn't enough out there for anybody <clears> to shake things up. So you went in that day going, Alabama's number one, Georgia's number two. Uh, there was a little bit kind of a movement uh, outside there of those, top, those first few spots. But really, there wasn't a lot of ton of intrigue on the class rankings. Those are set, the top 75 on ESPN.com. But I, you and I were talking, you know, one of the uh, interesting exercises is always to kind of maybe drill a little bit deeper into the classes and sure. see who within position, specific position groups kind of did the best. Yeah. Right? Because you could have, obviously, Alabama, number one overall, uh, Georgia, number two overall, Texas, number three overall, Oklahoma, four, Miami rounding out the top five. But there are other classes that may have not in totality ranked as high, but within a certain position. Uh, did well, so figured we would go position by position and look at maybe who were some of the winners at a sp- uh, one particular position. And I think the interesting note, though, is 
as I looked at this, and I don't know how you looked at this, but we've done this in the past for ESPN.com, is it's not necessarily just a counter. It's not like, oh, they signed eight at this position, so right. they win. I think it's a mixture of, depending on the position, a mixture of quantity, but more important, quality. You know, you signed seven offensive linemen, but another team signed four, and those four dudes, to me, you signed the best all line class. Yeah. Uh, so with that, we'll start with one with probably the best example of that, and that's quarterback. You know, because it's easy. Again, you're not looking at the signings ago. And this team signed three quarterbacks. What's it going to be? Uh, being the uh, wonderful co-host that I am, I'm actually going to let you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I'll be interested to see if we land on the same one. I think we may, uh, sitting so close to each other, uh, hours on end, day after day in the office. <laughs> well, you know, I you just mentioned uh, quality over quantity, and at the quarterback position, much different than some other places. You're not necessarily looking for a host of players to bring in. Having said that, with how much we like all the guys at the top. Nelson, Moore, Arnold, Manning. They all literally have the same grade in ESPN. And even throw Nico in there. He's a tremendous prospect, and we have some good early returns, uh, you know, the reports out of Tennessee for him. I actually went UCLA and Dante Moore because they did sign a couple other quarterbacks. And so, you know, again, we love all those guys at the top. Of course we love Dante Moore. I checked out some depth charts. I think he's already listed as a starter on at least one depth chart that I looked at, (laughs) which was interesting. Um, But they also brought in Kent State transfer, Colin Schley, who's a guy with starting experience, a dual threat type, who whether he's, um, you know, an early starter for them or just a depth piece is a nice piece to add. They also signed Luke Duncan, a high three-star high school prospect, who of course was their high school quarterback commit in the class um, before Dante Moore. And given that he was you know, willing to keep that commitment and sign with UCLA, um, he's a great late bloomer type to kind of you know, have in the program behind more should you know, more live up to those expectations and take the reins early on. So again, tough to differentiate between all those guys at the top. We love them all. We think they all have a great chance for success. But I went with UCLA because of more, who we love, and then the uh, couple other guys that they also brought in at the quarterback spot. Yeah, you know, obviously um... – one of my first reactions was to go to Alabama. They signed two ESPN, two highly yep. rated ESPN 300 quarterbacks. And not only did they sign two, but two talented players and at a need as well. So, I mean, that obviously, I think, carries a lot of weight. And Eli Holstein uh, and Dylan Lonergan had a chance to see both uh, this fall in person. I think the interesting thing there, obviously, is Lonergan, as we've talked about before, is going to baseball will play a role. Uh, in his in his uh, his commitment, uh, excuse me, in his time there at Alabama, he wants to not only play baseball but pitch as well. I think Eli Holstein's a player who's very intriguing. I don't know if he's he's going to come in with kind of the wow factor of a, of a Bryce Young, um, but uh, very good athlete. High upside looks, for development. He looks for sure. like a pocket passer who is deceptively like absolutely his, his, the way he moves does not fit his body type yep so he's a really good athlete and i think he's a good game manager as well i think he's one of these guys who could play within the system but is certainly athletic enough to make plays and also talented arm talent enough to be able to do things with his arm so i think he can kind of morph into a lot of different things that you may need uh, offensively so i think you know if Lonergan is going to kind of split 50 50 baseball i think that with two talented quarterbacks, we kind of give a little bit of maybe the nod to Holstein kind of maybe early on if mm-hmm. you're going to kind of handicap it, being the guy that might likely break out from it. 
they needed bodies, talented bodies in that quarterback room. Obviously, Jalen Milrow is back as well, and you mm-hmm. would think with the experience that he has last year, he would be the guy to beat. But certainly would watch Holstein. So you got to tip your hat to Alabama. Number one class, two good quarterbacks addressing a need. Like I said, uh, Holstein may be the one to watch of that pair. But I would agree with you ultimately with that, UCLA, for all the reasons that, that you mentioned. You know, So I'm not going to uh, uh, belabor the point there. But you know, it was a long period there with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Now moving on to be able to do that and late in the process too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was kind of a knockout <laughs> yeah. blow there for UCLA. Um, one other class that I was really intrigued by that I thought was interesting, and it was Wisconsin, who, I mean, they only signed three-star Cole LaRue from, or LaCrue from the high school ranks, but they're bringing in a host of portal guys who are at different developmental stages, and I found this interesting. You know, Tanner Mordecai has started uh, 24 games the last couple of years. He's played in 36 total during his college career. He's got over 7,000 yards and 72 touchdowns in the last two seasons. So you want to talk about your typical plug-and-play, you know, ready-right-now portal guy. That's him. They also picked up Nick Evers, who was 166 in our ESPN 300 in the 2022 class. Braden Locke, who was also a four-star in that class. So two kind of acquire and develop portal quarterbacks for Wisconsin, and I like um, the potential for competition between those two. So not up to the, uh, you know, not up to UCLA in our eyes, but uh, another one that I thought was interesting to point out there. Yeah, like a lot of good classes you could obviously, uh, you could obviously point to uh, to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, so let's, we agree, UCLA for the quarterback position. Let's move on to running back. Obviously a little bit of depth, but to me this was kind of one, one of those <laughs> open and shut. Um, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, number one class, Alabama, which includes the number one ranked running back and the number two ranked running back. And you could obviously – um, uh, you know, shuffle those around. Either way, we have Richard Young one, Justice Haynes number two. Uh, I think one guy separates them uh, in the rankings. So if you want to sit here and argue with me, that it should be the other way around. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't put up much of a fight. Uh, but and I love them. Not only are they top two rated running backs, but I think the reason why this is an open and shut case as well is um, they complement each other really well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Richard Young can be a bell cow. He's powerful. He can break yards. Uh, he can create yards after contact. Uh, he does. He's gotten really improved talking with his high school head coach, getting ready to uh, do his high school game this year. He says when he was young, everything was 100 miles an hour. He's gotten really better at being more patient as a runner. The game that I saw him, we've talked about it many times, was, it was a really impressive performance, multiple lightning delays, like well into the uh, wee hours of the morning, like post 1 a.m. He was still running yeah. and carrying that team on his back. And then you put in... Justice Haynes, Buford, kind of the greater Atlanta area, plays great competition uh, and very versatile. Probably as good, a really good receiver out of the backfield as well. Big play. And also, Elite Speed, one of these players in the UC report, Max Speed, who yep. posted one of these great times yep. as well. So you almost kind of got, uh, you know, a loose kind of thunder and lightning type package there as well. Uh, so not only the talent of the two, but the way that they complement each other. To me, I thought there was a clear... Uh, kind of, you know, top running back class. Yeah, a lot of these sections for me in the positional groupings have a bunch of potential schools, a lot of notes, a lot of scribble. This one's one line. Got to be <laughs> Alabama, Haynes and Young. It's Alabama. Yeah, I just uh, though I think LSU too. Two ESPN 300 running backs. Nice pair. In yep. state, yep. you know, uh, and Trey Holly and Caleb Jackson. I think that's important too, not only because they're talented, but good for obviously one of the things Brian Kelly's <clears throat> been an elite coach, elite recruiter. When you're going to be at LSU, you better do well in state. I think getting two top running backs within the uh, state of uh, excuse me, Louisiana was big for them. Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, Oregon. 
uh, were some other schools that, I, you know, I think yeah. Trey Wisner and C.J. Baxter. I think C.J. Baxter was one of these players. I know when we were doing the final ESPN 300, we were trying to figure out a way to get higher. You know, sure. We talked about this being one of the best top 50s we've ever seen. I think he's an outstanding player who's only going to continue – uh, to get better, maybe of some of those top running backs we've talked about, maybe CJ has the most upside. Um, so certainly several other really good players amongst uh, that running back group, but we both agree it's Alabama there. So yeah. uh, UCLA at quarterback, Alabama at running back, and now things start to get really difficult. Uh, <laughs> I have my leader here with a bunch of exclamation points, but then number two, like, oh, this. so I'm going to let you go ahead and we – Broken this into not just wide receiver, pass catchers, because we're going to include tight ends yep. in that mix. <clears throat> um, similar process for me. I think there's a bunch of different candidates for this one. Ultimately, I went with USC. I mean, they signed our top two receivers, Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon. Walker Lyons being a late pickup for them probably or could have been what pushed it over the edge for me. Um, Jacoby Lane is another receiver in this group. And I think it's important because Branch and Lemon, while they're great players, they're smaller guys. Lane's a different body type. And then Dorian Singer, who's arguably the top, you know, or one of the top receivers in the portal. He was a 1,000-yard guy in the Pac-12 last year. So from Branch and Lemon to Lions at the tight end position, Singer coming in hopefully with an immediate impact. Um, you know, you'd, you'd hope from Branch and Lemon as well. But for me, it was USC. I think I'll let you go with your pick, and then I'd like to, you know, dive into who some of the other uh, classes were for me that were under consideration. Yeah, I kind of wrestled between three, uh, but ultimately landed on USC. Okay. Where, right. You know, listen, <laughs> Singer had a monster game against USC last year. So <laughs> a good way to negate that happening again is yeah. just add him to your team. Uh, <laughs> then you put Mario Williams back in the mix, and you're right, uh, Lemon and Branch, similar type players more diminutive, but I think immediate contributors. Sure. You know, they stay healthy. Those guys are in the mix right away with Mario Williams and then Singer. So to me, uh, again, you know, and then you also put the guy who's going to be pulling the trigger, throwing him the football. And is yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think if you wanted to kind of look for maybe a separating factor there, sure. That's, you know, for USC to me, the next one up was Ohio state. I have them on my list also. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and then you also uh, you got four players in the ESPN 300 plus a four-star in Bryson Rogers. I think you know Brandon Innes may not be a player with a high ceiling, but he I think would be an immediate player. Yeah, he's a ready-to-go guy for sure. And uh, you know, American Heritage they rave about his leadership, the way he practices, the way he plays. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy who will be immediate contributor. Noah Rogers is a big target. I really like Ohio State. And then the other one for me is uh, Alabama with those with those uh, several four stars. Jalen Hale, and then obviously dipping into the junior college ranks to get more defense, yeah. and wide receiver being a big need there. So I think those are the, the big three to me at that position. I'd like to add Georgia in that mix too. Um, it was more about the quantity, but there is a lot of it. I mean, Tyler Williams, Anthony Evans, Yazid Haynes, tight ends Pierce Sperlin, Lawson Lucky, and then Dominic Lovett out of the portal. So for me, that was the other one that was kind of under consideration. Yeah, so we both agree USC, Ohio State, Alabama. I think to me the sleeper of the group – the sleeper of the group is Nebraska. Okay. There's several players there, depending on how you develop, who end up being a really good group. Uh, Bryce Turner could fly a little bit unknown when they, you know, a nice job there. Um, kind of going in and get a player that really kind of didn't have a lot of buzz, but then you watch mm-hmm. them like, whoa, this guy can fly. Uh, Jaden Doss, a player at the uh, elite underclassman camp in Kansas City, good measurables. And then obviously 
we have him listed as an athlete, but he's going to play wide receiver Malachi Coleman. Uh, you know, uh, great body type, outstanding speed as well. So maybe not one of those wide receiver classes. When you look at the rankings, yeah, will jump out. But I think there are some play pieces there uh, for Matt Rule and staff that could develop and wind up kind of being the uh, the sleeper of the group. So I just kind of uh, wouldn't put him over the other three. But I, I like it. Worth mentioning. I like it. As a one to watch. All right. Uh, into the trenches. Um, this one was kind of tough. Went back and forth. Um, I ultimately <laughs> went Miami. Uh, you know. I think if you're going to win, you win from the inside out. Uh, really nice class. Miami's one of those classes obviously has some highs and lows along the way. Uh, one of those lows is losing a really good ta- uh, center to Auburn and Connor Lou. But I do like the two five stars, uh, Francis Mauangoa uh, from ING, uh, ultimately the number one offensive lineman, a big body, great competitor, uh, Samson Okamola. Uh, we have him a guard, you know, great arm length, uh, great body type of player who in his high school career, lost weight, also wrestled as well. So I think those are two outstanding building blocks uh, within that. And then you add some of the, uh, you know, kind of what for me, um, you know, they signed some other offensive linemen. I think there's a player a little bit lower in that class, and I'm not sure how to say his last name. He came to our Miami Under Armour camp last year. Frankie, big Frankie. Oh, yeah. Um, Big frame, raw, a lot of upside. I think it would be interesting to see how his development comes along, but there's a lot of pieces and tools there for Mario Cristobal and that offensive staff to work with. And then you put in uh, some of the transfers that are in the mix there. J.B. Cohen obviously coming in uh, from Alabama, and then Matt Lee, a really good player there at Central Florida. So that was kind of what put it over the top, the two five-star offensive linemen. A few other pieces in that class, and then adding in uh, some really just strong transfer pieces on the offensive line. Ultimately uh, had my, uh, Miami for me just kind of – uh, slip ahead a few other schools. Yeah, it was uh, Miami was my pick as well. I was kind of leaning toward Alabama based off high school prospects only, but the transfers from Miami uh, definitely tipped it over to the Hurricanes for me. I mean, between the five-star signees out of the high school level and these transfers, Matt Lee's one of the highest-rated guys returning um, on PFF, and Cohen is a multi-year starter for Alabama. I mean, you could have immediate impact from the high school ranks. You expect to have it from these portal players. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Frankie and uh, Tommy Kinsler, another developmental prospect in that class as well. Uh, for me, it's Alabama, too. Yeah, you know, a few other schools. I'm sorry, Miami. <laughs> yeah, a few other schools that, uh, that were in the mix. We talked about it a lot. I like what South Carolina did. Uh, yeah. In the draft. I think they got some really good players. Penn State signed several. Uh, Penn State was on my list as yeah. well, yeah. And then um, uh, LSU uh, was one. I think one, again, kind of in the vein of Nebraska, one that's kind of maybe not going to jump off the page at you, at you in terms of some of the players, some of the names, but I really like the foundation. And this was a class that one of the its best finishes since we've been doing that. And uh, I'm never surprised uh, when this, this gentleman recruits well and Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. And I think they got some really good building blocks along the offensive line. Dylan Shaw, uh, Daniel Sill, and then Caden Carr. Um, so uh, they kind of lead that O-line group. So, again, not one that I would put there in the mix, but I, I do like what Texas Tech did kind of on a next tier down, but maybe a little bit down the road, get a couple all-conference all type players from that group. And, yeah, and with Texas Tech, I mean, the rankings may not quite reflect it, but we expect that staff to be as dialed in as anybody in the country when recruiting inside the state lines of Texas. 
So absolutely, that could be something we see in the future there. Yeah. The only other one I wanted to is kind of shout out is, again, in that same uh, kind of mixed era, Texas is Arizona. I like what Arizona did along their offensive line as well. Again, I've kind of – we'll see what happens. I've been kind of singing Arizona's praises. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens here. We may have to see if we're either featuring that audio or burying it. <laughs> I'll, I'll feature it. <laughs> But I do like some of the pieces that they picked up on the offensive line there. Uh, so, all right, so moving. All right, so to recap on the offensive, we both agree UCLA for quarterback. We both agree Alabama for running back. We both agree USC for pass catchers. And we both agree Miami. So It's uh, almost like we work together. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if uh, there's some other changes on the defensive side of the ball because I actually maybe make some changes along the way here. Uh, I got a couple game time decisions on my list, to be yeah. honest with you, so on the defensive with side. With that being said, we're going to kick off with you on the defensive line. So defensive front, this was definitely one of the tougher ones for me. Uh, I'm lumping in outside linebackers who expect to have more of an edge rush yeah. role with that group. Um, the two SEC powers, the top two classes, is kind of what it came down to for me. Ultimately... I went with Alabama again. I mean, five stars on the edge with, you know, Rissa and Keeley. You got Pierre and Osborne, James Smith and Jordan Renaud inside, um, Idrick Hill as well. So ultimately for me, it was just, you know, there's obviously the quality at the top. There's also the quantity throughout the class. I went with Bama um, just kind of edging out Georgia on the defensive front. It would make sense. Obviously, you're going to have a number one class to be strong in the trenches uh, is key. Um, yeah, you know, I guess I guess for the sake of kind of just being argumentative, I'm going to I'm going to go with number 2, and that's Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I had them right there. I can you see know, it. And Damon Wilson, they needed they number 2 class back-to-back national championships continuing to kind of build out and get some more uh, talent in there uh, and kind of reload, if you will, uh, at the edge position. They, they hit that in a big way. Damien, Damon Wilson out of Venice, I think is a player who could be an immediate uh, contributor, good pass rusher, explosive, a player who's also developed along the way as a, as a run defender, being able to set the edge. Uh, Samuel Ampemba out of IMG, just uh, an off-the-charts type athlete who's only going to continue to get better, obviously, and even work at an IMG. Used to going against elite competition every day in practice. Yep. Uh, you know, so he could be an impact type player. Jordan Hall was one of those players who really kind of finished strong, uh, created uh, a lot of buzz uh, down the stretch. He's a really nice pickup uh, in the defensive line. So they've got a really good, some really good players uh, amongst that group. So you know, it's hard to argue with you there. Uh, Gabe Harris, another one at IMG. So, but just to be argumentative, I'm, I'm going to go <laughs> Georgia. Uh, with that being said, too, I did give a really, really long, hard look at, at Clemson. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. You know, you could argue Peter Woods could be kind of, if you're going to say kind of the rookie of the year, you know, uh, there for Clemson. Uh, Vic Burley along there. Tamari and Parker had a chance to do a, um, a central game this year. Coaches raved about him, uh, the job that he does. Uh, so I think really, you know, um, Clemson's – really built a strong tradition in recent years along that defensive front. And this is a really strong group they're going in. So I think it, it was kind of razor thin between Alabama and Georgia, uh, but to me not far behind was Clemson, and I gave them a lot of consideration as well. Absolutely worth mentioning that group, Clemson, for sure. Uh, Oregon, Miami, Oklahoma, 
Nebraska, a few other classes, I thought that did a really nice job along the defensive front. All right. Uh, linebacker. Um, this one was a tough one as well. Um, and it came down to me, uh, another SEC battle. Uh, but ultimately, listen, you have the number two class in your country, you're going to be pretty damn good at sure. that <laughs> spot. So uh, I went uh, with Georgia. Um, Raylan Wilson, we, we talked about it when we did our ESPN 300 update. I think he's an impact performer. He got moved to a five-star. Such an explosive closer. Uh, good instincts. I think he'll be a guy who will be in the mix right away. Troy Bowles, obviously uh, his father, NFL coach, long time. He, great football IQ, really strong in coverage. Had an impressive week down at the Under Armour All-American game. C.J. Allen, one of the top uh, linebacker prospects. Uh, in the country as well. I think those three alone just kind of enough uh, to give kind of Georgia, for me, kind of the nod. I went with Georgia as well, but it was a game-time decision uh, for all the same reasons you said with Georgia. And I kind of went with the you know higher-end quality of those big three over the depth from Texas's class, which I thought was right there. Anthony Hill, Darian Glett, Tassilia Kana, Samaji Burrell, um, all in the ESPN 300. So maybe a little bit more depth from Texas's class. They definitely have the headliner up top and Anthony Hill, who we expect to see early and often. But, um, yeah, I went with Georgia, too. Did you, who was your number two there, out of curiosity, then? Actually, it was Tennessee. Okay. I really like Tennessee's yeah. linebacker class. Caleb Herring, huge in-state pickup. Uh, Aaron Carter was a player who was a late riser. Yeah. Originally projected as a running back. Uh, wound up moving to linebacker and just looking like a different player. Um, I'm really big fan of Jeremiah T. Lander, who we moved from a three-star into the four-star out of Gainesville High School there in Georgia. He's a player that I love. I just think he's a football-playing dude. The word is he's already having a strong year, strong performances during Tennessee's bowl practices. So they got a few linebackers in that class, and I really like. Uh, so they were one I looked really strong and hard at. Jadavion Bradley, kind of a. <clears throat> You know, one of those uh, hybrid edge players. I think he's going to lead a little, need a little bit of developmental time, but a high ceiling. So Tennessee was the other one that I. You're right about Texas. I kind of overlooked them a little bit, but Tennessee was the other one I was kind of wrestling with a bit. But secondary, all right. Uh, I did linebackers first, so you go ahead. Um, in the secondary. All right. So I have five schools listed that not necessarily 100% were under consideration. At least four of these were. But I, I'm going to kind of mention them from bottom up to get into uh, where I ultimately landed on. I think that we can't talk about this group without mentioning Colorado. So Colorado's not my pick. But Cormani McLean and then Travis Hunter out of the transfer portal. You want to talk quality at the top. I mean, it really yeah. doesn't get any better than that. I mean, if things break the way they hope, uh, Colorado, those are your you know, two starting corners next year. So wanted to mention Colorado. Ohio State's a group that I think was just a tick below these other schools that I'm going to mention, but Jermaine Matthews, Calvin Simpson Hunt, maybe my favorite corner pair in the country, probably the fastest pair of corners that any school signed, and they also uh, picked up Jihad Carter, one of the top defensive backs out of the transfer portal, you know, who they hope obviously will contribute this fall. Florida, bunch of ESPN 300 guys, headlined by Jakeem Jackson, that's a great group, and I, you know, I, they were under serious consideration for me. Georgia, ton of ESPN 300 guys, Janelle Aguero, A.J. Harris, also transfer smoke buoy. That one was right there for me, but I ultimately 
went with Alabama again. I mean, you got a pair of five stars, Caleb Downs, Desmond Ricks, you got Jalil Hurley, Tony Mitchell, and then athlete Bray Hubbard, who may be a safety for the Crimson Tide at the next level. I went with Alabama. I think the depth is there. They also have the two five stars at the top. So I'm with the Crimson Tide. Oh, interesting. I thought we were on a collision course um, once again. Um, yeah, I'm making a game try. I agree with you. Georgia was on my list. Ohio State was on my list. Uh, good points on Colorado. Um, I think one that you forgot that was on my list uh, was LSU. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. JV on Taviano at the top, one of the best corners in the country. Uh, Ryan Yates, uh, obviously, Geyer High School there in Texas with Jackson Arnold and Peyton Bowen. Those were two kind of headline grabbers. He's a guy who gets overlooked a little bit as a safety. Uh, Kylan Jackson uh, from Zachary High School teammates with Eli Holstein. Uh, and then I also went to the portal to get one of the best uh, players in Deuce Chestnut at mm-hmm. uh, Syracuse. Uh, so, really like LSU. Um, Wrestled with them a little bit, but ultimately, I went. I'm gonna go Oregon. I really like Oregon. Yeah, I really like. Yeah, they were kind of the one for me. Obviously, Dalen Austin out of uh, Long Beach, uh, Polly, uh, Roderick Pleasant. We talked about it right at the top. One of the big. Uh, there weren't very many ESPN 300 players on the board going into uh, last Wednesday. He was one of them, and uh, Oregon was kind of locking horns with USC. And we're able to win. And, uh, you know, for everything we say about Nicholas Harbour, Roderick Pleasant may actually be the fastest player <laughs> in this class. Uh, Cole Martin, a uh, player out of uh, Basha High School, I've had a chance to see him twice, do uh, two of it uh, before he transferred, and then this past season at Basha. Uh, a little bit undersized, but good player, not afraid to kind of throw his body around. Uh, you know, I think Cody DeCamber is going to be a, at the very worst. Uh, a demon on special teams sure. for them. Um, so um, I really like, I like, to me, this was kind of the one that I was going through. I kind of put at the top of my list and then moved him out, moved him in, moved him out, moved him in. I also, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go. So not very many different changes, but uh, ultimately I, I did go Oregon. Uh, Ohio State was in that mix for me. Like I said, I think the one, I think you kind of nailed your kind of uh, rundown there just with the exception of missing LSU. Um, I thought Mississippi State was one that just kind of, you know, scrolling through. I thought it did a nice job. Washington staying in the Pac-12. Washington, yeah. Penn State. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Florida, right? Yep. Auburn down the stretch. And then uh, TCU as well. So quite a few there were in the mix, but I, I agree with you on that. But ultimately landed on Oregon. So to recap on the defensive side of the ball, a little bit more intrigue. Uh, uh, on the defensive line, uh, I went – we both went – uh, I went Georgia, you went Alabama. I went Bama, yeah. And uh, kind of a 51-49 type, type <laughs> split there. We both went uh, Georgia at linebacker. Yep. Uh, and then in the secondary, I went Oregon, and you went? Alabama. Alabama. All right. So of those positions, only had two that we had changed. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Yeah. So – I don't want to say it's clear, but I think, you know, looking at some of those classes, you could say that there's few that more so the pieces that make up the whole uh, were certainly pretty strong. And it's not, you know, listen, when you got the number one, number two class. And again, you talk about Alabama's number one class, you're maybe potentially talking about one that meets up with that 2017 group. Um, so it's, 
their 2017 class, which at one point we had ranked the best number one class ever. So obviously you're going to have a lot of candidates for something like this. Yeah. Same thing uh, with Georgia. Uh, but some other teams kind of getting there in the mix as well. So, again, well, you know, uh, we're going to soon find out how all this kind of uh, comes to fruition. Uh, again, heading into last Wednesday, wasn't a lot of intrigue in the overall class rankings, especially at the very top. So, but it was great to kind of drill down, see who uh, – who, uh, who did the best at certain position groups, and it turns out that Alabama and Georgia squarely in the mix. Shocking. <laughs> uh, for both of those, again, all, all that information on ESPN.com, including the uh, overall top 75 uh, classes, but that is my way to kind of look at maybe who did the best among some position groups. So now that we've ranked the top 75 classes and also taken a look at positional winners within those classes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, one of the parts of last Wednesday's uh, signing day coverage um, was the commitment of Ellis Robinson at IMG 2024 five-star to Georgia. So Georgia already putting together, uh, already putting their foot in the uh, water for best defensive back class. Yeah. 2020, <laughs> and class in general. Yeah. Man, that's a strong group they got built already. Still a lot to be decided for 2024, but uh you go to ESPN.com, did list uh, kind of top 10 classes off to an early start. Um, Georgia just missed number one this year, but they're uh, meeting for the 2023 cycle. But for 2024, right now, they are kind of leading the pack. Ellis Robinson was a big piece of that. Uh, wide receiver, uh, Carr, uh, one of the top players in ESPN, Junior 300, doing a really nice job. Notre Dame which for a spell there in the 2023 cycle had the number one class. Yeah. Uh, still really did a nice job. Uh, some pieces along the way fell off, but Marcus Freeman doing a really good job. And then once again has Notre Dame off to a strong start. LSU doing a nice job. Florida State. Uh, Alabama. And it should never be surprising when you see Alabama near the top of the rankings for 2024 doing a really good job. Julian Sane, one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the nation already on board. And then Jalen Mbakwe. Uh, you you already tabbed Alabama your defensive back class for 2023 <laughs> and uh, adding more uh, there with the number four player in the junior 300. Florida, South Carolina, Oregon, uh, Clemson, and then Iowa, they're at 10, uh, though already uh, the vultures are starting to circle around looking to mount a move into that top 10 there. Um, so, again, this is going to change quite a bit, but Georgia right now leading the pack early on for 2024. And with that being said, Wade, there's already starting to be some um, some commitments coming in for that class uh, coming off the board. Yeah, you mentioned Robinson. Also, um, Austin Mack on signing day, a six foot eight four star quarterback committed to Washington. Wide receiver Lydia Biesa committing to Arizona State, another junior 300 prospect. And then since signing day, you know we've seen Anthony Maddox, a quarterback committing to Texas A&M. He's going to be one of our biggest risers of the boards for our uh, Junior 300 rankings when we update it in the spring. Tom Luganbill threw out comparisons to Malachi Nelson and a young Deshaun Watson in oh, his evaluation it. of, yeah, I mean, that's it so far. Um, another one in the state of Texas, which is really, really interesting to me, was an athlete, Wildman Collie, number 143 in the Junior 300, committing to SMU over a host of big offers. Uh, he's a 200-plus pounder with 21-plus mile-per-hour speed. Uh, he could end up at a number of different spots at the next level. Outstanding early get for SMU and one that I'd be interested to follow uh, specifically as we move through the process. 
Coach Prime, still um, as expected, continuing his national approach, recruiting at Colorado. Jawan Johnson out of Louisiana. He's a high school quarterback we have projected as an athlete. They also picked up interior offensive lineman uh, Talon Chandler. Another quarterback off the board, as we know, a lot of these quarterback dominoes, they're kind of the first to fall. Uh, Walker White at Auburn, another ESPN Junior 300 prospect, big physical dual threat guy. They also added a corner Jaden Lewis, who's in the back end of the Junior 300. He was a uh, signing day commit as well. Uh, Mazio Bennett, a guy who we had talked about previously on the podcast, uh, flipped from Tennessee to South Carolina. South Carolina off to a great start with that 2024 class. And Jacob Oden, defensive back, the top defensive back at this stage uh, from the state of Michigan, has committed to the Wolverines. So, uh, and then as you had mentioned, just kind of go back to what we started the show with, how it seems like signing day was uh, so long ago at this point. I think part of the contributing factor to that is, you know, since the introduction of the early signing period, we've always known that the early signing period was really signing day and the February date was kind of the late period. But boy, this year it was even to another level in terms of you know the percentage of the class that was already signed and in the books heading into signing day. So while a lot of it was put to bed for the 23 class, obviously schools across the country already getting busy with their 2024 classes, and we saw that you know not only on signing day, but in uh, the immediate aftermath of it, ready to make some uh, decisions on commitments and takes right away. Yep, yeah, I mean, one thing we've learned through the years is things will change and. Sometimes in a big way. So, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we already mentioned Matthew Bennett twice. <laughs> uh, history of this podcast is like 16 podcasts <laughs> old. He's yeah. already been mentioned yeah. twice. So, yeah. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Uh, but again, as we wrap up 2023 and watch as 2024 unfolds, and obviously the next big chapter is camp season, which, uh, as you're listening to this, will just be getting kicked off uh, this weekend uh, with a showcase in Atlanta and Sunday, the Power Academy OLDL. Uh, focus camp there in Atlanta, then off to Dallas for the same thing. And then February 26th, it, the Under Armour All-American Camp Series in Atlanta. It's already a loaded roster, a few more spots to fill there. Uh, but uh, that will be the camp season. So we're going to see a lot of the top prospects in 24, 25, uh, names getting on the radar in 26. So we are now embarking on camp season, and uh, we'll have a lot more uh, stories to tell and uh, insight. Uh, we're going to hit the road, grab some interviews from some coaches and some players as well. So a lot more coming over the spring. Uh, but again, a great wrap up there. Interesting look uh, at the 2023 class. And again, 2024 things, um, what's the word, I'm simmering? Might be the right word? Yeah, uh, yeah. As we uh, move forward. But again, camp season, excited for that. We're going to see uh, a lot from that. And it gets kicked off this weekend. So uh, we'll have insight over the coming weeks on everything that happens on camp season. If you missed any previous episodes of uh, the Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report. Anywhere you find podcasts, you can find them there. Some of the players are now heading to your favorite team we've had on and joined us, so you can kind of go back and listen uh, to there. But again, thanks for joining us, and until the uh, next time, uh, for our producer, Danny Priest, uh, co-host, Wade Jirasi, I'm Craig Hobart, and we will uh, talk to you soon.